This is Cruise Radio. If this whole thing we're going through right now has taught us anything, it is to always have travel insurance. Get a quote today at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida, this is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio, a review of Celebrity Equinox today. And Richard is here with Cruise News. Jumping right to Richard. Hey, man. Hey, Doug, how are you? Carnival Cruise Line has removed certain sailings from their website. What does this mean? Well, it doesn't mean a whole lot. It basically means that they're following the rules that are in place with the new CDC conditional sale order. So as we've talked about in previous episodes, all of the cruise lines basically have this new set of hoops they have to jump through. One of them is uh, the rule now says that for the time being – the CDC is not basically allowing sailings of seven days or anything longer than seven days. So, you know, Carnival's really well known for their Carnival Journeys sailings, which are like 10 days, 14 days. One of the reasons that the CDC sort of wants to put a hold on this makes sense. They Those type of cruises tend to go to a lot more ports. And right now, that's something that, you know, we need to sort of keep contained already. We're talking about shore excursions that are going to be existing in a bubble. So, we also don't know that a lot of those places are going to want us to come there right now. So what this really means is that Carnival is saying, okay, we're going to pull these off right now. We're not going to have them available for sale. We're going to look and see moving forward how this plays out. And one cruise line is going for a more all-inclusive experience. This is so exciting. I have been wanting to say these words for a very long time because one of the things that has happened over the years is that um, where it used to be that you went on a cruise and pretty much everything was included in the cruise price. But over the years, things got divided and, you know, you started paying for your gratuities separately and your drink package separately and your Wi-Fi separately. Um Celebrity Cruises is now on all of their cruises moving forward, except those to the Galapagos Islands. So this doesn't, if you're planning a big exotic adventure, this doesn't apply. But for all of their other cruises, they are rolling most of the expenses you usually pay extra for into the total price of your cruise. So they have the drinks, meaning your alcoholic beverages, not just sodas, but your alcoholic beverages are rolled into your your overall package price. So is free Wi-Fi. So are the daily gratuity charges. There are, you know, exceptions. This is sort of one of those things where they're including alcoholic drinks, but let's say you do shots of Patron, those are not going to be included. So they have another package that um, that you can buy into that includes like premium cocktail. With the Wi-Fi, it includes your basic Wi-Fi, but you're not going to be able to like stream Netflix or anything. So if you want to stream Netflix, that package we were talking about that includes premium drinks also includes premium Wi-Fi. It also includes um, some sh- some shore excursion credits, stuff like that. There's another package even higher up than that for basically everything on the ship. Um, but people who are staying in the retreat, which is their ship within a ship concept, they will get that highest package automatically. But the important thing to know here is that for your basic cruisers, you know, it, your your costs are covered. It doesn't include specialty dining, but it does include your alcoholic beverages, your Wi-Fi, and your daily gratuities all rolled into one. And I just think I'm hoping that this is a move that will catch on. The only other line that really does anything like this right now is Virgin Voyages, assuming Virgin Voyages ever gets to actually sail. But one of their big selling points right from the beginning was we include a lot of things that you normally pay for. We include Wi-Fi. They don't include alcoholic beverages, it's worth noting. They do include, um, you know, coffees, teas, sodas, things like that. But Virgin does not include alcoholic beverages, whereas Celebrity is going to be including your uh, cocktails. So two things. Is this going to increase the price of the cruise fare? And what about those people who, you know, they don't drink? Well, one, yeah, of course it's going to increase increase the price. Um, it's, you know... There's no such thing as a free lunch, everybody says. You know, like when you book a Norwegian Cruise Line cruise and they offer you the, you know, two perks or three perks, which usually are like the drink package and the Wi-Fi, 
um, that price is, of course, folded into the overall cruise fare. What this is, this is basically a way to really encourage people to cruise again, frankly. As far as the people who don't drink, yes, we are going to hear from the nickel and dime crew who say, well, why do I have to pay for drinks when I'm not going to drink, you know? But it's worth noting, this not only includes alcoholic beverages, but it also includes soda. On a lot of lines, um, you have to, if you want unlimited soda, you have to buy a package that includes that. So this does include sodas, specialty coffees, teas, all that kind of stuff. So I think even if you're not someone who is a tippler, you're still going to get your, you know, your money's worth out of this. Norwegian Cruise Line Holdings released their quarterly earnings this week. Uh, anything worth noting? Not really. I mean, it's it's not going to surprise anyone that they didn't make a lot of money. In fact, their year over year, how do you do it? I guess it's year to year comparison was down like 99.7%. Now, this is not at all surprising because, of course, they have next to no revenue coming in. If there was one bright spot, it's... As we've heard time and time again, whenever any of the cruise lines do these earnings reports, they talk about the fact that looking forward, they can see a big demand for cruising. With Norwegian, what they talked about was the fact that uh, the second quarter, the second half of 2021 is booking very, very, very strongly. So, you know, it's another sign that while things aren't great now, we're slowly but surely moving forward. I have a feeling that if you look at all the developments that are happening right now between, you know, the the vaccine that's on the verge of, of, of coming out, the other treatments that are being looked at, uh, the, the new orders from the CDC, all of these are positive things and they should really increase what we see sales wise in the future for not only NCL, but all the cruise lines. And certainly that's been reflected in their stock. Yes. NCL took a little bit of a hit right after the news came out about their earnings, but all of the cruise lines over the last few days have been on the upswing based on all of this good news coming out and what it means for the future of the industry. Key West has shown the world that they don't really care for cruise ships. Key West, Key West. Um, yeah, they basically gave the finger to the cruise industry. This isn't, again, this is another of those things that isn't necessarily surprising because it's been brewing for years. But Key West took the opportunity of this recently concluded election to put a few things on the ballot. And those things were designed to say, yeah, we don't want you here. They limited the number of um, passengers who could visit on any given day. They numbered the number of ships that could visit on any given day. What's interesting is the arguments here um, are, you know, Key West is a tourist tourist town. It's a town that thrives on tourism and tourism dollars. But cruise ships that visit Key West don't necessarily pour a whole lot of money into the local economy. Yes, there is the fees, the port fees that we all pay. So they do make money that way. But the average cruise customer or cruise passenger doesn't spend a lot of money in like the local restaurants or the local stores. There have been There's been quite a bit of reporting about how little impact on that level, the cruise industry actually has. What's going to be even more important moving forward is how this sort of ripples outward, because there are a lot of other cities that have had issues with cruise ships who are watching this. They're going to look and see over time, does this actually stand? Does, you know, are, are any legal challenges sort of swatted down? Or does Key West actually really kind of, in effect, ban cruise ships? How does that impact their economy long term? Are the reports that we see, you know, accurate or our cruisers spending more money than is reflected in those various reports that are put out there. And do we see other communities who, you know, maybe aren't thrilled with cruise ships coming and, you know, thousands of passengers getting off the ships and coming traipsing through their towns. Will we see other communities follow this same pattern and attempt to do the same thing, which really would not be a great thing. Okay, so there's that cryptocurrency cruise ship that's off the coast of Panama. Cabins are now open for sale starting at $25,000. How are the sales going? Not really very well. <laughs> right before we began 
recording, I did a quick check to see how sales are going. Right now, they have a hundred staterooms that are available for bidding. They are, you know, they 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 span the whole range. There's interiors. There's uh, balconies. The only things that you won't find right now are on the 11th deck, they have these suites. Those are going to be VIP and those are going to go for really high prices. But right now they have 100 out of the proposed 777 staterooms available. When I checked right before we started recording, there were bids on six of them. So I'm not sure what that says. Now, keep in mind, bidding only started a few days ago. Uh, the bidding on this first lot of 100 staterooms goes through the end of November. So it could be that people are like taking their time, doing their research. But I kind of frankly expected to see at least 30, 40 of these staterooms having bids on them. Mm-hmm. Maybe everybody's waiting until the last minute. And they're all going to come in. Hmm. Now, the people behind this, um, Ocean Builders, they have said – that they sort of expect the next group of staterooms that they put up will go for higher prices because they think that like this is your opportunity to get in while the getting's good. Get in, get these at you know, get the interior room at twenty five thousand dollars, get the the balcony at fifty thousand dollars because the next batch of staterooms, you know, they they feel like there's going to be more demand as people start to see that this is an exciting thing, that this is a real thing, that businesses are actually signing up. So. It's still the very early stages. I'm not really ready to declare this a complete fire festival yet, but I feel like we're heading in that direction. All right, listener question. Do you have any experience with Carnival's Shore Excursion Best Price Guarantee, or do you know anyone that has put it to the test? Okay, so this is a question that comes up a lot. Um Basically, the the best price guarantee means if you go on, you buy a shore excursion through Carnival, but you find it the same basic excursion. It has to be on the same day. Basically, everything about it has to be the same. At a better price, they will refund your money at one hundred and ten percent. I have not personally had any experience with this, but we reached out to a few people to you know sort of find out in our community of cruise aficionados, if anyone had. And we heard from a couple of people who have, and they said, yeah, it really does work. They really do honor it. And the money is basically paid back to you as an onboard credit on your account. Now, one thing that I think is really important to keep in mind is this seems unlikely to carry forward in the coming months. Because one of the things, as we mentioned a little bit earlier, that is going to happen is that Shore excursions are going to be very strictly controlled, and you can only book an excursion through the ship because they want to create that bubble that they can keep you, you know, away from anybody who's been exposed to COVID. As long as you're under their sort of their control, they know where you're going, who you're interacting with. So it wouldn't really matter if you found a shore excursion that was at a better price because, you know, you can't possibly book it. So you really only have the option of going through Carnival. I, so I kind of think that this is going to be, at least for the foreseeable future, sort of a moot point. It won't matter because it's not actually an option for you. But looking down the road, uh, assuming things you know progress back to normal, at some point in our lives, we might actually see this again. Totally. I think the reason that Carnival can offer this with you know without a fear of people taking a huge amount of advantage of it is that there are two basic kinds of cruisers. There are those who automatically just book their cruise excursions through the ship, which is a good idea if you're at all worried about being left behind by the ship because that sort of guarantees if you're on a if you're on an excursion that was organized by the ship, they know where you are at all times and they're not going to leave you behind. Then there's the other type of cruiser which is a little more you and that is someone who basically gets off the ship and is like I'm going to figure out what I'm going to do today. I'm going to, you know, forge my own path into the wilderness and you're going to hopefully get back to the ship in time, which I think you've always been able to do. There aren't probably a lot of people who fall into that middle ground of, I'm going to go and I'm going to find a similar excursion that's, that, you know, is close enough that I can get my 110% back. I just don't think there's a lot of people out there taking advantage of that particular offer. It's a great offer, but, you know, when you think about all the things you have to do in order to take advantage of it, 
it's probably not something that they have big yeah. lines at the you know at the shore excursion desk of people demanding a refund all right richard thank you as always oh always glad to if you have an amazon alexa enabled device ask her to enable the cruise radio news skill so you can get daily updates anytime straight from cruise radio a big question we get at cruise radio is how do i know if i need trip insurance Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Check out our blog, the video page, and interact at cruiseradio.net. Matt is joining us on the line today to talk about his cruise aboard Celebrity Equinox. This was one of the very, actually probably the very last cruise that Equinox did just before the cruise industry shut down. It was over to the Western Caribbean, and Matt joins us on the line. Hey, Matt. Hey, Doug. How are you? Good. Thanks for uh, offering to give this review. It's been interesting. We've been having a lot of interviews lately about people who were on those very last cruises, and I find it very interesting as we listen from ship to ship to see how each person's experience was as they were on that very last sailing. So before we get to the ship itself and the experience, we'll take a step back and give us some pre-cruise thoughts. What made you want to take this seven-night cruise aboard Celebrity Equinox? Sure. Well, thanks for having me, Doug. Um, So this was actually a birthday cruise. Um, I had a big birthday last year and my family said, we want to go on a cruise, you know, bring a friend. We want to do this, you know, we want to do this right whatever you want, we're going to do it. And celebrity has been, um, I had actually never been on a celebrity cruise and it has been a target of mine. And I really was focused on the Equinox or the Edge or one of the newer ships or one that had been refurbed or, or, you know, as much, as much as possible at that point. You know, I am the type of cruiser that whenever I am looking at different cruises, I mean, I look at the videos on YouTube, I read the reviews. I mean, I dig down so much to even try to find photos of the actual staterooms that I will be staying in because I like that much detail and I like to be that specific with it. But I ultimately decided that I would love to do Celebrity. You know, the Equinox I knew had been refurbished, or at least it was, it was a partial refurb, I believe. And, you know, just from watching the videos and doing the research, the itinerary synced up, the ship looked beautiful. And so I was really excited about, about taking this particular cruise. And, you know, when, when we cruise, I mean, I'm, I'm what I guess a veteran, you know, I mean, I have done 20, 25, maybe more cruises Mm -hmm. in my life on different lines everything Norwegian Carnival, Royal Caribbean, and, you know, this is my first celebrity. And we tend to like to go in sort of that midwinter time where uh-huh. I'm in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So uh-huh. the weather is still pretty crappy and it might be crappy for at least a little while after, but it's that post Christmas time. It's something to look forward to when the nights are long and it's snowy and we get to go someplace warm and tropical. So Specific to this itinerary, the ship, the time of the year, you know, we planned it out uh, pretty well before we ever knew that a pandemic was coming. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was going to ask you. So pandemic kind of creeping in in March. So any like hesitation before you left Pittsburgh to fly down to Florida? There was a little bit, you know, in the weeks leading up to this, we obviously it was, you know, the virus was coming out of China. Then it was creeping up in just a few little spots in the U.S. I believe the Seattle area was first. So we weren't too concerned. It's like, okay, there's a few cases here. There might be a few cases here. It's, you know, it's okay. Well, the week right before the cruise, it seemed like it was actually starting to pick up even more. And there were cases that were starting to pop up in, I believe it was New York and Delaware, New Jersey. And then about mid, we were flying to Florida on Friday to pick up the cruise on Saturday. And um, midweek, we started to hear about some cases in Florida. 
And, you know, the hesitation did start to creep in a little bit, but I also think there was a bit of kind of bravado there. And, and mm-hmm. also the real realization that, listen, this is all paid for. Yeah. Um, our flights are paid for, mm-hmm. our cruise is paid for. And at that time, the cruise lines weren't, I don't think they were giving refunds or anything at that point because of this. Yeah. So we, we decided we're going to go for it. We'll be very careful. I mean, we packed all of our provisions. You know, I've gotten pretty good at packing to begin with, but I mean, even more so for this, I mean, the hand sanitizers, the wipes, I mean, we even took our own hand soaps, things that in retrospect might have not been as necessary, but we took them anyway. Sure. And we went for it. So, you know, even as that week was approaching, we were feeling it a little bit, but we were going for it. Okay, so you make your way down to Port Everglades from Pittsburgh. How was the embarkation process once you got to Port Everglades? It was by far the best embarkation I've ever had, ever. I mean, we stayed the night in Fort Lauderdale and took a shuttle from the hotel over to the port. I mean, from the curb to the ship, maybe 15 minutes. Wow. Maybe. Yeah, and I mean... We got there a bit early, but not too early. I mean, there were there were definitely people there, but I think they have perfected the flow of it so much mm-hmm. that it was really, really smooth. I mean, you walk in that beautiful terminal and up the escalator, and at the top of the escalator, well, they know they took our temperature before we walked in the door, and we were all good, so we kept going up the escalator. They asked us a few health questions. They, you know, used this facial recognition thing because we all, you know, did our pre-check-in and loaded photos and all of that ahead of time, which I think really, really helped. You know, asked a few health questions, went through the security scanners, and we were on our way. I mean, it only took that long, I think, because we were walking kind of slow. So it could have been even better, but it was the best boarding ever. I've been fortunate enough to take two cruises out of the new Terminal 25, and boy, they did a great job down there. It is. It's really, really nice. You know, there were even some places if you needed to sit down, there's places that you can do that. And it just has a really nice elevated feel. Elevated and refined, I think, are two terms that I would use for the experience overall on this trip. But it really started when you walked into that terminal. It was just beautiful. And I mean, so we went through all the check-in, got on the ship, and we went right to our stateroom where our ship cards were waiting for us. You know, we didn't have to wait. We didn't, they didn't send us to the buffet because our room wasn't ready yet. We were able to go right to our rooms. Luggage wasn't there right away, obviously. Mm -hmm. And we know that takes, you know, a few hours sometimes, but that's okay. Um, We didn't, you know, didn't really need anything. We packed anything that we might've needed in a small carry-on. So we dropped our, our little carry on bags and then we went and explored. You walk onto the ship. This is your very first celebrity ship. What were your impressions? I was blown away whenever I walked onto the ship. Like I said, I had seen the videos. I had read reviews and all of that stuff, but it didn't really prepare me for how beautiful it really was whenever I walked on. You know, again, it was elegant. It was refined. I mean, it really took my breath away. I was so happy. You know, such a departure from other from other cruises that I've been on where the ships have either been older or, you know, it's just, it just doesn't have that level of refinement, which is also okay. But it was, it was just really, really special. Very cool. You make your way to your stateroom. What kind of stateroom did you book and what were your thoughts of it? We had uh, the veranda balcony stateroom, just standard, standard balconies. We were on deck eight midship right by elevators, which was really nice. And again, that was a strategic decision. Um, we were with my mom and dad who are a little bit older and, you know, we try to limit the long walks as much as possible. So I mm-hmm. wanted to be closer to the elevators and really just for convenience too. It was super nice to be right there. You know, we took the glass elevator up to our room with that beautiful tree that, that hangs kind of magically in the middle of the atrium elevator area and just stunning the whole way up. And you could see the library and the card room and, all of those different decks, but we walked into the the hallway where the stateroom was, and it's it's very very nice. I mean, it looked like that it had been refurbished. That area had been refurbished. Mm-hmm. The hallways were nice. They felt a little bit wider actually than on some other ships I had been on. 
what was also really nice where our rooms were positioned was that our doors, we weren't on the hump that that class has, you know, where some of the rooms stick out a little further, but we were close. I think we were kind of right on the edge and our doors actually like were, they were set in a little bit more. So it gave just a little bit more room mm-hmm. right outside your door whenever you entered and exited the, the state room. The room itself, I thought it was very nice. You could tell that, that the rooms were not part of the refurbishment that had happened. You know, I understand that I think there were some dry dock issues and the timing just didn't work for the full refurb that, that they were planning for Equinox at that time. But that said, it was still very nice. You know, spacious as a standard veranda cabin is, uh, the, the appointments were nice. It had a nice marble countertop and, and vanity area. The couch was very standard. You know, it had the king size bed that you know we had separated into twins because I was traveling with a friend. And a nice size veranda that had two really nice, comfortable chairs. One thing that was <laughs> was funny was sometimes our our door didn't close the whole way, and it was it was really our fault. Mm-hmm. Um, but it sounded. <laughs> It sounded like there was a ghost out there, and we, it sounded like it was mooing. So we called our room the ghost cow oh, while, we were, while we were there. Um, so, but that was kind of, it was just kind of funny. We, um, we, we had a good laugh about that. The bathroom was really nice. A nice glass or glass-like door that separates the shower area. So, you know, spacious enough. It was nice to not have one of those curtains that can get stuck to your body whenever you move mm-hmm. the wrong way, um, which a lot, of, a lot of cruise ships have. Good storage. The counter space was adequate. I mean, nothing, you know, nothing substantial, but it was certainly adequate, but really good storage, good plugs, things like that. The one thing that would have been nice would be to have a few more plugs in the room. And I suspect that whenever it does go in for the rest of its refurbishment, whenever that may happen, they will probably address that in the stateroom refurbishment. But otherwise, really nice, really comfortable stateroom. Yeah, I was thinking it was, uh, I believe, last spring, I think. So we're talking about, well, I guess spring of 2019 was the last refurb, I believe, for Equinox when they painted it blue, too, I believe, during that one. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Very good. Well, let's yeah, talk about really dining. Pretty, by the way. Yeah it's, yeah, it's a gorgeous ship. Let's talk about dining on this seven-night cruise. We'll start in the main dining room. So how was your experience <laughs> in there, and what time dining did you have? So our experience overall was great. We opted for the anytime dining. You know, the early seating sometimes tends to be a little too early, you know, if you're at the pool or out on the port, but the late seating is just a little bit too late. So even though we went to dinner around the same time every night, it was just nice that we could go a little bit later than if we did the main seating. What was really nice is, you know, we we were seated at a very nice table the first night and we had a really nice waiter and assistant waiter and the whole team was great. And we requested that the next night and we were able to sit at the same table or at least in the same general section every night of the cruise, which was nice because then we got to talk to our, our wait staff. You know, we tended to see some of the same people because I think they were doing the same mm-hmm. kind of thing. Everyone, you know, does the, you know, kind of probably goes at the, around the same time a lot. Right. And it was really nice. And even there was even one or two nights where they didn't have a table available in that particular section. So they seated us in the section right next to it. And then before we even ordered, they said, Oh, we have a table for you now. And they moved, they actually moved us after they had given us drinks. And, you know, we put our hands all over the silverware and and everything. They gladly moved us into the regular section so we could have our same weight waiter and, and assistant waiter. So really nice. You know, the dining room I thought was, was beautiful. I think that was part of the refurb. Again, very elegant, you know, a lot of white. It has that almost like a whale's bone design in the middle. So it's curved, like there's these curved pillars in the middle of the dining room accented by these really lovely crystal or glass chandeliers and this two-story open wine cellar. So, you know, you see people going in there and going up, you know, up into this wine, yeah. this beautifully displayed wine cellar. Um to get bottles of wine. So really, really cool design accents in the main dining room too. It's really light and really airy. So it was really nice. The one thing that I didn't really care for in the dining room, and this is a very super small knit was the chairs at the tables. Actually, I felt that they just weren't very comfortable. And, you know, there was carpet on top of these 
chair, these heavy chairs. And, you know, we had, sometimes we had to struggle getting in and out, but I mean, again, very, you know, very minor detail. So how about the buffet area? I mean, because as we were talking about a few minutes ago, this was kind of, you know, at the beginning stages of COVID in the U.S., were there any precautions at the buffet during your sailing? Um, there were a lot of opportunities to sanitize, which was which was really nice, actually. And I think, you know, everybody that went in there did or, you know, they would, they would kind of try to gently go after people that, that walked right by the sanitizing stations um, to, to please sanitize or wash your hands. Uh, you know, so so that was good. I mean, there was... I felt I, I felt in general that their cleaning protocols were excellent to begin with. I mean, they were always they were always cleaning the tables, wiping off the counters in the buffet area, um, you know, outside of the buffet, just the railings and all of that. Um, but overall, I didn't get a. I, I think an overarching and probably an overarching theme with this whole pre-COVID cruise too was if you didn't really know what was happening in the outside world you would never have known by being on this cruise. Mm-hmm. Yes, they were sanitizing and wiping down a lot. I feel that that happens a lot generally. Um, but overall, it was it was seemed to be pretty standard. Like at the actual buffet, I mean, they still allowed us to, to, to serve ourselves, use the tongs and the spoons and things, which, um, you know, which I, I, I always sanitize my hands when I sit down before I start to eat anyway. Mm-hmm. So that wasn't a huge deal for me, but... Um, you know, I know some people really, really don't like that, but that wasn't a, that wasn't a huge, a huge issue for me. Did you do any specialty restaurants? Uh, no, we actually did not. In all of my cruises, we've only ever done one specialty restaurant and, you know, we, we kind of felt like, uh, it was fine, but not necessarily worth the extra money. Um, that might've just been a one-time, you know, fluke experience. I mean, my general thought on that is, I mean, I come, you know, I come from the time of cruising where, you know, every, well, except for drinks, everything was included. There were no specialty restaurants. You didn't pay, you didn't pay extra for the dining and experiences and things like that. So that has always stuck with me. Um, I, you know, I, I feel like, I, you know, I'm paying, I'm paying for this cruise already. Um, I'm not paying more for something that's supposedly extra or special. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I did not, we did not do any specialties. Any kind of like casual eateries you may have stopped at around the ship, like, uh, like any like delis or any kind of grab and go by the pool. Yeah. So, um, the burger, um, like the grill area up on the, up on deck, really, really good. Um, I thought the burgers were excellent. They had good fries. Um, and it was, you know, standard grill fare. I think burgers, veggie burgers, hot dogs, that kind of stuff. Um, that was that was really good. One thing actually too about the buffet was I actually thought the pizza was really good. Um, they, you know, it, sometimes when it's busy, they have a hard time even keeping up. So it's always super fresh. It's hot. Um, you know, it never really has a chance to sit and get melt. You know, they get get kind of stale or cold. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, no, so I thought I thought that was great, but. You know, one of the highlights was we only did it once, but the the grill up on deck I thought was excellent. I was actually t- uh, doing a review with someone a few weeks ago, and I was he was I was asking him if he had any pizza on Celebrity Summit, and he said no. And I was like, never underestimate the pizza on Celebrity Cruises because Summit has been amazing, Solstice was amazing, and Celebrity Edge was amazing, and it sounds like Equinox mm-hmm. was equally as amazing. Yeah, really, really good. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm a big. Uh, I'm a, I, I mean, I love, I love pizza. My dad actually owned a, uh, a pizza shop for his whole career. Um, and so I got very familiar with pizza and arguably, I think really good pizza. Um, so, you know, I have a bit of a critical palate when it comes to that. And I thought, I thought it was really good. Let's talk about the entertainment on this seven night cruise. What did you think of it? Um, overall, I, our, our party felt we had mixed reviews on the entertainment overall. Um, I think the, the entertainment around the ship, like the singers and the piano players and those, you know, types of, of groups were, they were excellent. Um, you know, they kept people entertained. They kept, you know, on their theme, whatever that may be. And it, you know, it, it all felt really, um, it was really, really professional and really well done. Um, the, the main theater shows to me were a bit disappointing. 
Um, I found that they were a bit, they just seemed to be a bit strange. They were like this, two of the shows were like this weird fantasy type show, almost like Alice in Wonderland. You know, I, I'm kind of, I'm comparing it to what I believe is like the theme in, in Eden on the edge okay. where it's that weird kind of fantasy mm-hmm. world. And, and I'm not like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not used to that. I, you know, I like the production shows and the bands and, and those types of things. Um, that said, the performers themselves were fantastic. Uh, they were top notch. I mean, excellent singers, dancers, really, really awesome entertainment. Um, I just thought that the, the actual, the productions themselves were a bit strange. How about outside of the theater as far as like the music and the venues and such? Yeah, we saw a really good um, duo, a, a, a man and a woman in one of the lounges. And the name of the lounge is escaping me, but um, they were great. I mean, they were, they were kind of acoustic. I mean, he played the guitar. I think she played the, she played the keyboards and sometimes she played the drums and they both sang and harmonized beautifully just really, really entertaining um, and really nice. And just to have a, you know, a drink in the evening, um, listen to some great music and, you know, have good conversation. Um, really, you know, really, uh, really good. And even in the, like the atrium area, um, some of the groups that they had, that they had there, I thought were, were really great. I mean, I, I were, other than, like I said, other than the production shows being a little strange, I thought all the entertainment was excellent. How about on sea days as far as crowds and congestion around the ship? You know, I actually never, I never really felt that it was super crowded anywhere. Um, The only time I ever felt that it was a bit crowded was sometimes when we were going to dinner, waiting in line because we were at, um, you know, we were anytime dining. Um, But on sea days, even, I mean, the main pool would fill up. Yeah, there, there were the chair hogs and people would go and, you know, they would you know, reserve their chairs early and then disappear. Um, or you would walk around and try to find a chair or a lounger or something. And, you know, just really hard, um, really hard to find on sea days sometimes. But none of the, the public spaces I thought ever were, were really, really crowded. Um, you know, one of my favorite spots on, and the celebrity ships and on royal ships is the solarium. Um, I, and really on, even when I go on carnival, I, I look for that serenity area that they have mm-hmm. the, the adults only more quiet area. And, you know, that's a favorite of mine. And even on sea days, the solarium never, I never had trouble finding a lounger. Um, the pool was never super crowded. Um, you know, yeah, there would, you know, there would be several people in it at one time, but never, um, never too much. I, I feel like overall the ship was designed to, to maximize the public spaces and to really spread people out. Since you were on like a spring break sailing, any families or a lot of kids on board? Actually, families and younger, like younger kids, mm-hmm. college age, didn't really see a whole lot of that. Um, there was one little, <laughs> one little tribe of what looked to be, you know, teenagers, maybe four or five of them. I don't know if they had met on the ship or whether they were, you know, they, they came together or what. I mean, they would, they would roam around and, you know, hang out in various spots. But otherwise, I really don't remember seeing many at all. Um, the teenagers, college age kids, um, young kids, I mean, a couple babies and toddlers, but not, not a whole lot at all. Let's talk about the ports of call you hit on this seven night cruise. It was a Western Caribbean sailing. So give us yeah. the port of call and then the highlight and then just move to the next one. Sure. So, so it, we were scheduled for four ports, um, Key West being the first one. Unfortunately, we weren't able to dock in Key West, and they said it was because of um, rough seas or high winds or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I believe that that was true. Um, you know, it's, our first impression was that, uh-oh, there was some COVID-related issue um, either on the island or on the ship, and we're not going to be able to dock. I, you know, there was nothing that was completely unsubstantiated and just my own Mm-hmm. a rumor in my head. So we, un- we unfortunately ended up with only three ports and we ended up with three sea days, um, which would be okay if we were planning for three sea days. Um, and I understand sometimes things happen, but um, you know, and, and it was, it was overall, it was fine. It's just, we weren't, we weren't planning on that extra sea day. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
we, you know, we left on Saturday and we were supposed to be in Key West on Sunday, but we ended up that very first day happened to be at sea then. Um, and then we moved on to uh, uh, Cozumel, which I've been to Cozumel many times on cruises. And so, you know, typically at this point, we get off the ship and we walk around the port area, which is, um, you know, it's fine. It's the typical, you know, the typical cruise port area that's built up by the cruise line, I believe. A lot of the same standard shopping, you know, the the bamboo store, the jewelry stores, and some local, um, mm-hmm. you know, local fare. Uh, I believe right at the port, there's a um, a Senor Frogs or one of those types of places right at the right at the pier, right before you get you go back through security to go back onto the ship. Um, you know, so there's music, you know, a lot of music playing and stuff. So it's a festive kind of Mexican, you know, Caribbean style feel. So but we didn't do any excursions or anything um, in in Key West or in Cozumel, so I don't really have a a strong review other than the port area is very nice. Um, next was Costa Maya. Um, I think that is a really really nice port area that has been built up there. Um, it's not only shopping, but there there are some experiences there as well. Um, they have a you know, there's a, a ritual that some of the locals do several times a day where they, they, it's like a sun ritual, I think, where they climb up this, you know, probably 50 or 60 foot, at least the high pole. And they, they spin around and do all of these crazy, like acrobatic things in the air. I mean, completely no harnesses, no safety, no nothing. I mean, it's, it's really cool to see. Um, makes me very, very nervous mm-hmm. whenever they do it, but it's a nice little, um, you know, nice little experience there. Um, you know, the, like I said, it's very nice. There's a pool area right at the port, but our focus when we were in Costa Maya was going to the beach. And so we went to, I believe it's called Mahual beach. Um, and we, we took a, like a taxi caravan kind of thing from the port to the beach area, which it was about 10 minutes. It was super cheap. I'm, I think it was maybe five bucks a person. Um, and they dropped us off and, you know, the, there's just, you know, beach, beach for miles and, and like little huts where they were serving food and drinks and, you know, the locals asking if you wanted a massage on the beach, which I declined. Um, but just really, really lovely. I mean, the beach itself, one of the nicest beaches I think I've ever seen. Um, you know, you can rent lounge chairs. You can do, you know, water sports if you want, um, you know, kayaking and paddle boarding and all of that stuff. Really, really relaxing. Felt very safe. Um, and it was super easy to get a taxi back to the um, back to the port area. So I would say the the beach um, excursion uh, to Mahual Beach was really, really nice. That was the highlight there. Nice. Um, and then Grand Cayman, uh, same thing as well. I mean, I think the difference with Grand Cayman is that's a tender port rather than a uh, a docking port. Um, so you know you got to wait for the tenders and and um, you know take wait and take them over to the to the port, which was fine. Um, our our goal on Grand Cayman was to also do a beach um, a beach excursion, and we took. We took a beach shuttle because there's that there's that long there's a long beach with again resort after resort um, you know in Grand Cayman. The one tip that I I would have about this and we didn't know this until we we did it was, you know they kept pushing this one particular resort which was the the very first one on the stop, which actually ended up not being a good idea because a lot of people got off there and it was very crowded. Um, there was. Uh, you know, it was really hard to get a chair I and mean, we had to wait, um, you know, to, to rent, to even rent loungers. Uh, uh, and, you know, the water was a little bit crowded. So my tip for Grand Cayman, if you want to go to the beach and you take a, like a shuttle where it drops you off at several different places is to not go for the very first place and go a little further down mm-hmm. beach. Yeah. And um, you probably have a little better luck with a, a more laid back, um, you know, less crowded, um, less crowded beach. Yeah. That's just like when you're, uh, walking on a beach, right? Like the further down you go, the less people are going to be there. So yeah, just keep on, keep on trucking down the road a little bit. Yeah. I see what you're saying there. Yeah. 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 Really beautiful though. Both, both both beaches I thought were really beautiful, but Costa Maya, the Mahual beach was my Mm -hmm. absolute favorite. Yeah. It's pretty there. 
You know, one point, um, if I may, about the port areas, something that I really think the cruise lines should consider, um, and I understand there are restrictions because the ports and the piers are, you know, they're, they're controlled by the local authorities, but is to have some sort of transportation, if possible, from the ship to the end of the pier. Um, you know, some, some ports we've been in have had rickshaws or those electric carts that can take a few people at a time. Um, not so much for me, but like my, I was with, again, like I was with my parents who they walk very slowly and have some mobility issues. And, you know, just, I think it would make the experience really nice for them if, for those types of people that they were able to do that, because I'm sure there are people that don't get off the ship because they just simply can't make the walk. Um, and even if it would be an add on, like you, you pay a few extra dollars, you know, to add that on as a, as a perk or something. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I think that that would be something really nice that the cruise line should really consider if possible for these, for these really long piers. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, I know like Cozumel has it, but I think you have to pay or at least tip the, like the rickshaw Mm -hmm. driver to do that. And then I I know. Totally. I mean, it's, totally fine. You know, I mean, they, we all, you know, whenever we've done it and they have done it, I mean, they're very generous with the, the mm-hmm. drivers and the rickshaw, you know, yeah. the, the poor, the poor guys, you know, riding the bikes, um, very generous with them, but to have, to have that available in all of these ports would be really, really nice. Yeah. Oh, 100%. So you make your way back to Port Everglades. How was disembarkation? Super easy also, but also very strange because the night before, so Friday night, the last night of our cruise, um, you know, and that week as we had been on the cruise, we've been starting, we, you know, checked the news and we're watching Twitter and things. And we kept hearing about what was happening in the U S with COVID and how it was spreading. And, you know, and so it was making us nervous. I mean, you know, my friend even went on Amazon while we were on the ship and ordered toilet paper because she oh wasn't gosh. sure what was going to happen. So, but again, we would have never, you would never know, um, if we hadn't seen the news, we were sitting at dinner that night, actually. And my friends had a news alert pop up. Um, but disembarkation was pretty much business as usual. The only difference was, you know, we had, we stayed on a little bit later and we disembarked um, toward the very end because we had a later flight. And it was, but it was very strange because we went up to the buffet in the morning to grab breakfast before we disembarked. And, you know, normally there's a hustle and bustle and the crew is, you know, turning over the ship and the, the, for the next cruise. And there was just none of that. I mean, they were milling around very slowly, casually wiping off tables. Um, you know, we literally walked, we, we got our luggage and we walked right off the ship. I mean, there was no line. No, I mean, we got back into the terminal where you pick up your luggage and there were maybe a half a dozen people and a couple porters just hanging around. I mean, it was a ghost town. It was, it was really, really strange. Um, Because, you know, there's always that turnaround activity that happens when Mm -hmm. you're disembarking and the the terminal is a buzz. And there was just, there was just none, none of that. So it was very, very strange. I mean, nice because there was nobody, but, but not the kind of nice that we would really want. Right. Exactly. Any first time tips to offer? Yeah. Um, two things, I think, um, one, we always like to fly in the day before if possible. I mean, if I could do it my way and not have to worry about work, I would probably go two or three days ahead and try to start the vacation early. Mm-hmm. Um, I love flying in the day before, because again, we usually fly midwinter. You never know about the snow. Um, you know, we've had some bad experiences with that in the past. So, you know, always do that. Second, um, and this was the first time I had actually done this, uh, was, don't be afraid to try to reprice your cruise. Um, I mean, I checked just by happenstance. I kept going on the celebrity website and I would see that the pricing had changed. And, you know, I read on, on Facebook and on blogs and stuff that you can call and reprice if you are, have not already made your final payment. Um, I mean, it might seem weird to call and ask for a better price, but they were super nice about it. And in fact, by repricing, we actually ended up getting a four perk package for it was like two hundred dollars more per person, and the value of it was way more than that. So it was really, really beneficial to to watch the prices 
and to reprice. Looking back, what was the biggest highlight of this cruise? Um, I would say the, I mean, the biggest highlight overall was getting, was going on this ship because it was a ship that I had really had my eyes on for quite a while. And once they did the partial refurbishment, I was really interested in it. Um, you know, and I feel like this ship is, it, it, it is priced well. I mean, it's, yes, it is, it is a celebrity ship. So the prices are higher than, you know, some other cruise lines, but I also felt that the prices were better than on like say the edge, for example, because the edge was still fairly new, you know, it's still newer. Um, and the prices tend tended to be a lot higher. Um, if I had to pick a favorite, like a highlight of the ship, I would say the solarium, um, just beautiful, quiet, very relaxing. And this may seem silly, but the pool in the solarium actually has steps going down into the pool. <laughs> so you don't, have to nice. you know jump in the pool and then try to hoist yourself up from the ladder, which again a lot of people might not be able to do, and you know celebrity caters to a certain clientele, so like that was something silly, but but really nice. So I would say the you know the solarium was was one of my biggest highlights. What are your thoughts on cruising again once the industry opens back up and it's safe to do so? I will definitely be there. I don't know that I will be one of the first people back on a ship, although arguably that may be the safest time to go. Mm -hmm. um, but I look forward to the day when I can cruise again. And I hope that it is sooner rather than later. Um, in fact, you know, I, I, the last couple of weeks, I have been looking for cruises in April and May of next year, whether I'm serious or whether it's just a fantasy at this point, <laughs> I don't really right. know. But one thing I do know from following the industry is that you know, I feel that the safety plans and the protocols that these cruise lines are putting in place right now are really, really robust. I mean, I've listened to your podcast. I've listened to others. I've read reports on them. And the cruise industry, I feel, you know, sometimes is treated unfairly. Um, but I also feel that the plans are, the, the proof is in the plan. And these cruise lines aren't going to do anything that's going to jeopardize their long-term success. Mm -hmm. Because the last thing that they want is an outbreak or even one case on a ship. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I will be there. Um, I applaud the cruise lines for doing all of this hard work and, and trying to get back to service and get back um, smartly. Uh, and I, I will be there. Um, hopefully, like I said, sooner rather than later. All right. Give me your final thoughts of Celebrity Equinox. Okay. Final thoughts. I thought it was a very refined, elegant, ship um it has a lot of great amenities it the partial refurb has been was beautiful i look forward to whenever they finally finish it um really nice ports of call the service on celebrity i feel is top notch um and that's what you get you know i think that's why you know that's why we, we pay a little bit more money for a, a cruise like this um but i look forward to the day whenever i can take another celebrity cruise in fact what I've been looking for is on the edge or the apex and trying to, um, to look at one of these, you know, the newer ships and see out what else is out there. Um, but I am, I am definitely a celebrity fan. I will definitely uh, cruise on celebrity again. And like I said, I hope that that is sooner rather than later. We've been talking with Matt about his seven night cruise aboard celebrity Equinox over to the Western Caribbean out of Port Everglades. Matt, thank you for giving this very detailed review and uh, stay safe, my friend. Hey, thanks, Doug. It's been a pleasure. All right, Dougie. Let's see what we got here, buddy. Ba, 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 da, ba, da. Cruise Radio is produced weekly in Jacksonville, Florida. For partnership opportunities, email Doug at cruiseradio.net. Hear Cruise Radio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Google Play, or at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.